So this morning I want to talk a little bit about our gospel lesson for this Sunday. It comes to us from the 12th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. If you have a Bible and care to follow along, whatever version it might be. Luke writes, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Jesus said, I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it's completed. Do you think that I've come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. These couple of verses can be really troubling to us as Christians. <coughs> Especially if you have this image, this impression of Jesus as the meek, the mild, the humble man from Nazareth. We tend to forget sometimes, I think, that Jesus is God incarnate. We forget sometimes that love sometimes means telling people what they don't want to hear. And we want our Jesus to be one of inclusion, despite principle. One of tolerance without judgment, even though it is given to Jesus alone to judge. We don't like it when we hear that Jesus might be judgmental. Charles Spurgeon commented on this very passage. He said, Jesus here reveals a great oddity of the gospel which causes men to oppose it. He bears witness that the gospel is an ardent, fervent, flaming thing, both a subject for enthusiasm, a theme for intense devotion, a matter that excites men's souls and stirs them to the lowest depths. For this reason, mainly it arouses hostility. The message has a, a different way of putting this verse. It says, Jesus said, I've come to start a fire on the earth. How I wish it were blazing already. I've come to change everything, to turn everything right side up. And how I long for this work to be finished. Do you think I came to smooth things over and make everything nice? Not so. I've come to disrupt and confront from now on, when you find five in a house, it'll be three against two, two against three, father against son, and so on. Matthew, the book of Matthew in the 10th chapter, he has his own take on Jesus' words. He says, Jesus said, Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. 
Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. And so Spurgeon comments on these verses as well. He says, if the gospel were just a ceremony, a truth which we could tuck away in a creed somewhere, or just keep it in the back of our mind, if it were not such a spiritual principle which lays hold upon your innermost nature, which rules your emotions, which fires your emotions and affections, if it were not all of this, it would remain unopposed. But because it is so living and forcible a principle, the powers of evil are up in arms to keep it from being spread. Isn't that the way it works? Isn't that your own experience? If you ever want to test this hypothesis, all you have to do is log on to social media. I always pick on Facebook. Proclaim the gospel in a public forum and see the comments that come in both for and against now, I'm not talking about your own circle of friends. I'm talking about go into a public forum and talk about the gospel. And you will find, just as Scripture says, that what is good is called bad, what is bad is called good, what is right is called wrong, what is wrong is called right, because these are the signs of the time. This cultural shift away from the church, away from righteousness, away from the gospel message. These are the signs of the times. And so Luke in chapter 12, when he continues with verse 54, he talks about interpreting the signs of the times. Jesus said also to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say it's going to rain and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and so it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? We like signs, don't we? We like signs. The bigger the sign, the better. If someone can tell us the answer in a billboard-size advertisement, well, that's convenient and it makes us happy, doesn't it? Doesn't matter what kind of sign. In the same way, Matthew 16, it talks about the demand for a sign. The Pharisees wanted signs. They said, the Pharisees and Sadducees came and to test Jesus, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, when it is evening, you say it'll be fair weather for the sky is red. 
And in the morning it will be stormy today, for the sky is both red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, said Jesus, but you cannot interpret the sign of the times. You are an evil and adulterous generation. Only an evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. Well, what is the sign of Jonah that Jesus speaks of? He talks about it in Matthew 12, in verse 38 through 40. He says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, You are an evil and adulterous generation, because only an evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so for three days and three nights the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth. Division. Luke talks about division. He talks about the sign of the times. And if we put the two together, it's easy to see that the sign of the times is that whenever we as Christians venture out of our comfort zones, the walls of the church, our circle of friends on Facebook, whenever we get outside our comfort zone and express the gospel of Jesus the way that we are commanded to do as ministers of the faith, well, the sign of the time is that we're met by confrontation, conflict, and in short, we suffer for the sake of Jesus. Sometimes the division is within our own family group. And Jesus says, unless you're willing to suffer the consequences of speaking the gospel, even within your own family, to defend the gospel, not that it needs defending, but to be willing to speak the gospel in truth and love to those that you care about most, unless you're willing to do that, then you're not worthy to call yourself Christian, is what Jesus says. Those are harsh words. We don't want to hear that from our Savior. All we want is love and forgiveness. That's it. Jesus, don't tell me that inconvenient truth that I serve a God who is holy and righteous and just, and because of that, demands obedience, demands righteousness, demands holiness from me. We must be willing to follow Jesus no matter what, no matter who. And very often the division that Jesus speaks of occurs right here down the middle of our own hearts. Because we doubt. Because we would rather embrace and tolerate than stand for truth, than speak the truth in love. We would rather not confront 
We would rather hide in the belly of the whale than go to Nineveh. And God's okay with you spending time in the belly of the whale because ultimately you will come to some realizations through prayer. Through the trial of being in the belly of the whale, you will see that the only way to be alive and walking on the beach eventually is to acknowledge the will of God, to fall in line with God's word, and to do what God has called you to do. Jesus said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Why should I continue to show you miracles and signs and wonders? And then he goes on and continues to do miracles and signs and wonders. Because Jesus is compassionate. Because Jesus is willing to go the extra mile for us. He's willing to pursue us even when we run away. And so he's willing to give us one sign of a different kind than all the other signs and miracles. And that is, he's willing to give us his very life on the cross so that the resurrection of Christ from the dead by his own power will be a sign of the prophet of Jonah to convict us, to be the great proof that Christ is what he says he is. The Messiah, Savior, God incarnate. There was such a sign it surpassed all the rest, Romans 1.4 says. His work completed and his victory, his crowning glory. Exodus 4.9, if they won't believe the former signs, then they have to believe this one. And if this won't convince them, nothing will. If we don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, if we can't accept what he did for us on the cross the time he spent conquering sin and death in the grave and the resurrection that gives us resurrecting life as well, if we can't accept that and be willing to share that, then there's really nothing more he can do for us. Those are harsh words. But that's what he's telling us. I've given you the sign of Jonah. I've given you time to contemplate. I've given you my life and my resurrection. All you have to do is acknowledge me as Lord and Savior. There is none so blind as those who are resolved that they will not see. And it's those people that we are at odds with in this culture. And some of them may be right in our own household. Some of them may have authority over us as our employer or our boss. Some of them may be someone near and dear to us, a friend or a relative. And Jesus is saying that we cannot compromise. We can't bridge the gap by enabling them to continue in their sin. But we can bridge the gap by speaking the truth in love. And he says that those people who are at odds with the gospel, those are the people that require the love and the prayer. Those are the EGRs in the community. 
extra grace required. But he also says what we can never do is go along to get along. What we must never do is condone their sin. Jesus ate with sinners, but he didn't participate in their sin. We can never be someone's sin enabler. We can help the homeless. We can help the addicted. We can help those who choose a lifestyle contrary to what God would have for them. But we can never enable them in whatever is causing them to separate uh, themselves from society and most especially from God. We can provide them with food. We can provide them with shelter. We can give them clothing. We can give them the seeds of the gospel message. But that's all we can do. The seed planting is up to us. The harvesting is up to the Holy Spirit and to God himself. And so when it comes right down to their very souls, we can never agree to compromise the truth of the gospel for anything, for anyone, for any reason. We need to be on fire for the gospel, fearless and relentless in, relentless in spreading it. Just like the Apostle Paul talked about in 2 Timothy, we talked about it last week, that God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. And it's that spirit of power and love and discipline that we need to use to ignite the fire that Jesus was talking about in Luke 12. I want to finish this morning with Charles Spurgeon again. A great preacher, not of the Methodist faith, by the way. But he said, O lovers of Christ, come and bow at his feet and ask him to let his love supply you with fire. Come to the pierced one. Gaze upon the thorned crown. Look into the hole which the soldier's spear has made. Gaze into the nail prints and say unto your soul, no more, my God, I boast no more of all the duties I have done. I quit the hopes I held before to trust the merits of thy son. Now for the love I bear his name. What was my gain? I count my loss. My former pride I call my shame and nail my glory to his cross. Jesus said he came to divide. It's not his desire that there be division within our families. It's not his desire that there be division among all his children. And yet this is the fallen, broken world in which we live. And so as bearers of the message of the gospel as ministers of the faith we have a responsibility to put Christ and his gospel first and foremost even when it means that there might be division between us 
because allowing people to continue unopposed in their sin, enabling them to keep going in their sin because it's more convenient for us, it's easier for us, it's tolerant. is really no excuse. Sometimes tolerance can be the most unloving thing that we do for a person. Allowing them not to hear the truth about their lifestyle choice, about their addiction. And there are all kinds of addictions. And so we are, have to be willing as Christ followers to live in division and to do everything in our power by the mandate of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us to bridge that gap, to bridge the division with the truth and with the love of Christ. Never with the compromise of the gospel. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.